episode of Speaking the Lawn, the official podcast of streakinglawn.com. Once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, Zach and Ben are both with me, so we must be talking basketball. Zachary, how are you doing? I'm good, Pierce. It's a, it's a long, busy, relentless week, as oh. you know very well no. for us students here on Grounds Before Thanksgiving. Homework. But I don't know. <laughs> ben, how are you? But, uh, I am wonderful, enjoying the undefeated Virginia Cavaliers, um, so, somehow um, disastrously not ranked in the AP poll. Um, there is a grand media conspiracy against the Cavaliers in favor of the, the JMU Dukes, who have done nothing saying... except beat the number four team in the country. Um, but <laughs> disrespected saying... by Ken Pomeroy, 24, even yeah. though we're tied for the best record in the yeah. nation. Um, just... Feeling good. Feeling good. We stay unranked all year, in my in my <laughs> opinion. Undefeated and unranked. Mm-hmm. Lots of uns. The yeah. un team. Un- Able to shoot free throws. Okay. Well, I cut Zach off uh, because he was about to complain about being a college student more. But, uh, you know, we're here to talk about the who's, not about uh, you doing the work that you signed up for uh, in this pursuit of academic excellence. <laughs> at our university uh but before we jump into the undefeated uh, basketball team i should note uh, that the the football team i almost spoke that louisville went into existence i mean what a performance to almost pull off another road top (laughs) top 10 victory upset i mean they look like they were gonna win the game Uh, and, and 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 i close the previous episode saying we were going to come back and talk about that Louisville win, and they almost did it. Um, but after after a remarkable third quarter of three touchdowns, um, the Hoos took the, the lead again with 7.54 to go in the fourth and then gave up a 52-yard pass play and a 73-yard run. Had a handful of calls not go their way. Uh, some missed things that, that certainly could have made it a, a different result, but in the end, just... You know, like this season is gone, a few bounces, a few calls, a few plays go your way. And uh, Virginia is looking at bowl eligibility if across those games. I mean, they're, they're sort of the kings of losing one possession games. But, you know, before we get into basketball, I want to hear from you guys, like, where where's the narrative as as it continues towards this inevitable Commonwealth clash that might define if this season leads to good vibes in the off season or bad vibes. Uh, was there anything from this somewhat of a rebound after getting blown out and, and sort of embarrassed at home by Georgia tech, Zach? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, it's a hard, it's a really hard season to evaluate. And, and I think we knew that to some extent just going in. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, game to game, it's tough. I mean, Louisville was fun. Like that, that, that was a, a, I mean, for most of it, it was a fun game. Uh, Calandria looked dangerous as ever. Made a lot of plays. Didn't make as many mistakes as he's made in the past. Maybe uh, from just off the top of my head, I think he had one pick, but I, I wouldn't really mm-hmm. put that one on him. It just the ball kind of got wrestled out of. I think it was Malik's mm-hmm. hands on that one. He used his legs well. That was cool to see Cam Robinson. What looked like at one point it could have been, was it the tying pick six? It was the tying pick six, right? It, yeah, it made it 14-14. Um, yeah. It just God. a stunning play. 
yeah, 10 and seconds that was after their first touchdown on, I think it was fourth and goal to uh, what they, they ran the, the, the Philly tush push. And then As instead ran a sweep with a walk on <laughs> tight end out of it, instead of uh, pushing the quarterback into the end zone. It was pretty brilliant and successful. Yeah. And I think you've seen this staff um, put together some, impressive performances and and the ta- there's talent on this team like this is not a two and eight team uh in a, in a lot of ways and i think that that win against north carolina says that this performance says that there's a lot of things you can point to that say that this team is despite the two and eight record which really stinks and makes this again a really hard season and a really hard team to evaluate they're better than that and i think that that's a pretty well established fact that being said, as I think we've been talking about on this podcast for about a month now, you know which game you really got to win? Are there going to be good <laughs> vibes? Uh, yeah, it's coming up pretty soon here. It's coming up. Uh, ben, uh, what, what's the conversation around grounds, right? Like what's what? maybe not around grounds. I think students are just sort of about like, basketball. Yeah, the conversation but, is about basketball. Um, but I mean, but... what's the conversation about the who's in, in a bigger picture? Like, it, it just comes down to this Commonwealth clash in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, people are generally pretty apathetic, I think. No one really mm-hmm. cares how the next few games go. If they win, it'll be cool. Uh, if they don't, it'll be whatever. Um, but at the point where you're eliminated from below eligibility, there's not really that much to play for besides the love of the game obviously you know want to win every week but it's it's the commonwealth clash is what's going to matter that's the game people are going to be invested in i think we have a pretty decent idea of where this team's at we know who the good players are uh we know how they're going to struggle and we know that they will inevitably find a way to lose by three or seven or some close number of points um well we did have 20 20 College years football of is very bad. Um, I cannot believe this Louisville team is ranked number nine in the country. Mm-hmm. Like they, they did not look good. UNC didn't look very good when we played them. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just an ACC is bad problem, but college football, um, no one is that great. I guess you can spin that as a positive for Virginia because you know, you not that far to go. Um, and as <laughs> as you mentioned on the lead in, like four or five plays go differently and Virginia yeah. is looking at below eligibility and it's like a miraculous turnaround in year two under Tony Elliott. Um, it's a very fluky sport. I, I don't know. I want to say that this is, they beat tech, but I, I don't know we'll, if I can put that out there. We'll talk about that next week, but we, um, you know, when you say they don't have anything to play for, I think that's more in the fans eyes. Right. Like, and I think, yeah, I, I didn't mean to, I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. I think that's what you meant though. Right. Because yeah, like one of the big positive things to take away from this is you, you, you get absolutely spanked by Georgia tech and then you go back on the road and, and really put in an outstanding effort against the top 10 team for better or worse. What, what does that mean as far as how good the, that top 10 team is, but uh you know, that's encouraging. Like clearly these guys are still giving it. They're all um, for sure. And, and, you know, Duke is a team I know they want to beat after getting embarrassed by them last year. So, you know, maybe we'll get to see them back in Charlottesville um, make a statement against the blue devils that they're, you know, they're not dead yet. And they're going to, they're going to keep fighting through these last two games. And obviously they'll know, everybody knows how important the, the second game uh, in these last two games is against the Hokies um the paris jones update right i mean uh, obviously really scary injury um 
and and a, a scary moment for everybody watching and and who plays the sport and uh you know if you're listening to this you probably uh or you know caught some of that but uh still in the icu um uh, coach elliot says positive smiling he was happy telling us telling the guys to keep fighting um you know they're in contact and obviously he's in uh a position where he still needs uh significant care there in louisville so i feel like we're all just sort of waiting for uh good news uh to come from it and and any details uh are beyond any of the reporting i've seen but cases your one check-in is this podcast that's where we are with that so obviously much love and best wishes to uh paris and hopefully a, a strong recovery soon uh yeah so let's talk about basketball let's talk about this uh winning streak to start the year not a whole lot of takeaways from the the NC A and T game. Um, one of, as far as advanced metrics are concerned, one of the worst teams <laughs> in the country visited the Hoos last night. Um, Isaac McNeely's ankle is probably the biggest story, but nice to see a lot of the scholarship guys who might not be in the heavy rotation get plenty of minutes and and score some points and hopefully get some experience. I think, you know, particularly with minor, you're like, that could be a really usable talent if he can feel more comfortable in the system, but we're probably not here to talk about that game and probably here to talk about the Florida game, which the most exciting win so far. So Zach, the who's returned to Charlotte, a place of nightmares uh, in, in some games past and take on a, a, name brand florida team for lack of a better way of phrase it you know they, they weren't ranked either but i mean florida's name brand right so what are your big takeaways from uh that close victory against the gators yeah i mean i think i think number one in everyone's mind was was blake buchanan and and the the impact that he had uh you know i mean one we, we talked about it on this podcast 1.4 rebounds was not the statistical first game performance that would leave you thinking, oh man, UV has got somebody special. But we talked about why he still looked special in that game. And and we were proven right on Friday against the Gators. I, I think there was a tangible difference with Buchanan on the floor in the front court, yeah. um, at, at least relative to Jake Groves. And and granted, Jake Groves, where his he's weak, is on the defensive boards as a defender, and that's where Florida exploited Virginia. But at the same time, Buchanan was an out and out strength defensively. Yes. They, they still got bullied on the board. Some, I think that's more Micah hand locked in than it is anything else. And then he made plays offensively. Yes. A lot of it was created for him, but he, I think he had like six points off of jumpers himself. 10 for 16 at the line wasn't amazing, but I think that there are signs that that will improve. Um, and at the same time, that's 10 points at the free throw line. And, and, and he was pretty close to, to putting down a couple of, of of those dunks and of those shots uh where he was fouled so he i got tripped pretty up on my close to making those dunks um is a funny statement but i i know what you mean i think his legs were definitely shot towards the end of the game yeah. i was, talked to a buddy about it um there was one and one that was like should have been an end one and it said was free throws um ben you know you you you're i'm sure happy with buchanan's performance but you're you're not leading the fan club that zach is so give me another positive takeaway from the game outside of our freshman center yeah um buchanan was nice um zach's said it better than i will i think um it was probably a 
game like a game-changing performance for him in terms of how he's viewed by fans obviously mm-hmm. but also the coaching staff I mean he got the start in the very next game I mm-hmm. think everyone now can see that he's gonna have to be a key contributor for this team he was the big guy honestly in my stock up stock even stock down column I had only one guy in the stock up column and it was mm-hmm. Blake Buchanan I think a lot of other people played pretty um standard games um sort of what we expect from them And I'll actually start with a guy who I originally had in the stock down uh, because I was disappointed by him not being aggressive on offense. But after sitting and thinking on the game a little longer, bumped it to stock even, he had a performance that to a lot of NBA guys um, was very much a stock up. And that is Ryan Dunn, who had six points on three of seven shooting. Again, not jumping off the page there. 0 for 3 from 3. Didn't look very aggressive. Sort of scored Mm -hmm. only off... um, some cleanup buckets. He had a nice offensive rebound late, which led to a putback. That was a big basket. But other than that, didn't look particularly uh, confident as a scorer. But defensively, he is unreal. Um, eight rebounds, and the eye-popping number is the six steals against Florida. Uh, they had a lot of guys who would drive and not really have a backup plan for when they ran into Virginia's help, Riley Kugel. Um Chief among them, uh, the announcers kept talking about how he just needed to attack the rim and finish with power, um, which was really funny because he kept trying to do that and then running into guys and throwing the ball into Ryan Dunn's hands in help defense. But incredible game. Uh, I think we so might you're saying be... the announcers were on our side, not because... <laughs> Alexander was, on that. He was attempting the... to trick. Riley Kugel into um <laughs> into assisting the Hoos. Uh points that some points we might have gained from that, obviously given back by the the late review. But um <laughs> but Dunn, I think we've watched him so much that we might underrate just how much of yeah. an incredible athlete he is at six eight, being able to move as fluidly as he does with the wingspan he has and just making hustle plays all the time. He's always the first guy to lose balls and always just an absolute menace in the passing lanes. Zach tweeted yesterday could be the best defender in the country. Uh, Not sure I'd go that far, but I think if you throw out the guys who are like Donovan Klingon and just centers who can stand in the paint and because there's no defensive three in the key in college, uh, just absolutely locked down around the basket. I think if you look at guys who defend one through four, there's a case to be made that Dunn's the best in the country. Although I'm, Zach has thoughts on that, so we can throw it to him. I'm pretty sure Zach said he is the best defender in the country, not might be or should be considered uh-huh. for, but just is throwing out superlatives <laughs> uh, as he's want to do on, on the X. Uh, Zach, defend yourself. I just don't find... And and Ben makes a good point in terms of impact defenders, whereas if you have that center who can just stand in the paint and make plays, I just don't consider that to be like, you can't tell me that that person is the best defensive player in the country because they don't, I don't know. I just, the, if you told me, okay, blanket statement, you, you have one defender to put on someone, you don't know who they're going to have to guard. You don't know, it could be. Zach Eady, it could be it could be literally anybody in the country. Who do you want for one possession? It's Ryan Dunn. Like that's so, my answer. So we're going Listen, as far as I, most versatile defender. Yeah, the so this is like right the there. Giannis Antetokounmpo versus um, Rudy Gobert debate here. Uh, 
that's what we're getting into. Whoa, so we're comparing Ryan Dunn to Giannis. <laughs> yeah, things yeah. Are, Except one, are... one of them uh, probably hasn't scored six points in a game in about five years. But <laughs> Well, that's the thing with Dunn that's like kind of confusing in that, and I don't need to get into like NBA draft talk mm. here, but it is weird to watch a guy score six points and kind of brick most of his shots. And then like I understand understand why Ben put him in stock down I probably would have too immediately after that game um and then realize on rewatch that he was like the second or third most impactful player for Virginia in that game um yeah. and so it's it's yeah he's a hard guy to eval and, and it's hard to sort of like know what you want out of him because he brings so much defensively and he is just fixes and solves so many problems but at the same time, it's like, okay, it'd be really nice if we could just hit like 35% from three on two attempts per game. Yeah. Um, regardless, a bunch yeah. bunch of haters here on the podcast today <laughs> who want more. They won't be satisfied with six steals <laughs> and elite defense. I'm just teasing. Who needs defense, right? Oof. Oof. Yeah. We'll have 13 points and 11 rebounds against... Um... And C A N T. So yeah. perhaps if we face their front court every game, uh, Brian wow. Dunn can get to the basket a little more effectively. Wow. They're just the negative, just in droves. It's not negativity; um, it's just reality. <laughs> I'm what, sorry, ladies stink. and gentlemen. I'm sorry for my co-hosts. Um, <laughs> let's talk about positive things then. Uh, things that don't stink. Uh, Jacob Groves three-point shooting. It's just been to me, uh, what a what a delightful, refreshing revelation to just like that we're bringing in a guy and he's a pretty good shooter. And what does he do? He makes his shots, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> all right. And this is not me singling out anybody uh, singularly in the past, but it just seems to be like a thing that has happened time and time again with like the reputation of the new guy, uh, you know, there's been freshmen, there's been transfers. Anyway, this guy uh, seems like when he's there on the baseline wide open uh, and receives the ball, it's going in. And it is that nice. Jake Rose is seventh in the country in three point shooting percentage through three games with more attempts than everyone ahead of him. So that's not nothing. Solid uh, 77.8%. Ben I believe is higher sixty percent um, from three through three games last year. I wasn't even talking about Vanderplas is the funny thing, uh, but love you, Ben, out there. Uh, <laughs> Rose is shooting better. Gotta be from negative. Three. He's at Rose what seventy five percent above seventy five. Seventy seven percent. It's okay. insane. It's insane. Yeah, but seven I for mean, nine, I think. Or yeah, for Rose. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. better than UVA's free throw shooting percentage through three games. We'll take that. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I, I, you know it's such an important thing where you've got guards who who want to drive. You've got guards, I mean, particularly in Harris who wants to drive and pass, uh, but isn't he's he isn't afraid to try and make difficult uh, conversions at the rim he just hasn't been super successful at them so then to have this option i think would be like ah, ah, ah. reese more than often than not wants the pass um 
in any way. I mean, somebody who can knock him down, not that we, he's the only one. I mean, Rody's been, been capable and obviously McNeely, we know what he can bring to that. So a stretch four that is actually uh, converting these shots is, is a pretty valuable thing to have. Zach, something else positive. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, um, I I think that they can play a lot better than they did against Florida, and I mm-hmm. I say that in a That's glass a negative. half. Good job, not not okay. Positive, hold on, but... I say that in a glass half full, <laughs> from a glass half full perspective. The because of negative. the they they beat a good team by three points on a neutral site, without Reese Beekman going off, without Isaac McNeely shooting the lights out. Yeah, he was he was two for four from three, but three for ten from the floor. Like I'm just saying. These guys can can they 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 didn't this wasn't like a Baylor win last year. And yeah, yes, this team is not as good as as Baylor was um necessarily last year, but I'm just saying like it wasn't like they just were insanely efficient on offense and just were really good and this is the best that they're gonna look this year, and this is their ceiling to be a top 35 team by three points. Like, no, th- this was a a solid good win with a lot of room for improvement as well to the Mm. point where we're not just sort of sitting here and saying like, Oh, Oh, so-and-so played well. So-and-so did this well. Like they're going to have to be better on the offensive boards. They're going to have to get more scoring from secondary options. Reese is going to have to be a more efficient scorer when people switch onto him and they didn't do some things well. And yet they still found a way to win the game. They found a way to go basket for basket with Florida late in the game without necessarily having um, like Florida was switching a lot to Reese and Reese wasn't actually um, beating them for it all that often in this game, 13 points, five for 13, two for four from three, which was nice. One of four from the line, really good, like a solid, good Reese speaking performance, five assists, four steals, one block. But at the same time, like it, it wasn't all of a sudden, like they just had this otherworldly performance to win this game. And so I think that says that, um, this team can continue to get better. You know, you mentioned Jake Groves. I think that he will only continue to be more valuable as he can be, um, as he just gets more comfortable in this defense. Cause I think that you're seeing just, there's a learning curve um, for new guys in this defense that don't have just the innate athletic ability of a Blake Buchanan. So I think Groves, I mean, to say he looked better against NCA&T, but he did look somewhat better against NCA&T. Obviously, it's a very different competition. Um, and so I, I just think that the the sort of the storyline of this team improving as the season progresses is a very, very real one. And I think we saw that in this game. And we also saw just the raw talent and the ability that this team has, even if they're not playing to their best. And to play against a team who wants to have a lot of size in the front court and be that a focal point for their strategy. I mean, they're going to run into those types of teams. And right now we're starting a freshman center. Uh, and essentially, I mean, Ryan Dunn obviously counts as front court, but, you know, we're not like going to be relying on him to, to hold down the paint against teams that are rolling out multiple seven footers. Right. And so refreshing to see that they could be successful against, you know, uh, a, a dabble into that type of size and talent that they'll face off in the ACC. Ben, do you have yeah. another takeaway? I will go for an actual positive this hey. time. I think coming into the season, there was a little bit of concern about the turnover sort of gumming up the works offensively. No Kihei Clark here, obviously 
regardless of what you thought of him, he certainly was very instrumental in the way this offense ran for a very long time. And a lot of their finishers from last season, Gardner, Vanderplas, Armand Franklin, guys who had finished possessions are just not on the roster anymore. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of question marks. Um, I think the transition has been pretty seamless to this new Reese Beekman offensive regime. Reese has been very good at orchestrating things so far. Not that anyone thought he wouldn't be, but no matter how you slice it or what you expected, 19 assists to one yeah. turnover through three games is pretty dang impressive. Yeah. Say that again. 19 assists to one turnover. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Really, really good. Um, <laughs> and Virginia continues to be exceptional offensively at a lot of the things that you'd expect them to be exceptional at offensively with the well-drilled system. They turn the ball over on 11% of their possessions, which is the 17th lowest rate in the country. Okay. Um, and they're assisting on 65% of their made field goals, which is 25th in the country. Uh, all signs of the ball moving well, uh, offense flowing well. Uh, and I think they've continued to get good shots throughout all three games, uh, regardless of level of competition, which is a good place to be at right now. Definitely. Can we talk a little bit about free throw shooting, Zach? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you saw the law of averages play out a little bit against NC A&T, if I pull up the numbers. Very quickly here, UVA shot. Okay, 12 for 16, 75%. I think you saw, I mean, Ryan Dunn going five for six. Um, that was nice to see. I think that you know, he shot 50% last year, but he was like 12 for 24 from the line, which is just not a lot of attempts. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you want a really detailed statistical breakdown of this, you should go read Ben's column on the site from Monday, I think it was. Um, and he can probably dive the stats a little bit better than I can but I think that this team they're not going to be an amazing free throw shooting team I also don't think that it's going to be as much of an issue as it was against Florida or late against Tarleton State for the entire season there might be games worth a bugaboo um but I I think that they have enough guys that you, you could trust with the ball in their hands late in the game going to the line I think you know in Beekman in McNeely Eventually in Don, I think Buchanan will get more comfortable and be more confident that it was the dude's second college basketball game. I think just looking at a couple of things like that, I, I'm not entirely concerned about free throw shooting being um, their Achilles heel on offense this season. Mm-hmm. If it is, then obviously that's not fun. But I, I think that the law of averages will play out and it won't be uh, they'll be better than 63.3% this season, which is ben, their is average that, so far. Uh, is that what you're statistical breakdown would suggest yeah i wrote a piece on the site and the point was basically that your free throw percentage through two games doesn't really matter Uh, it's not all that predictive of your future free throw shooting performance which makes sense to me because there are like 30 games in the season we've only seen two of them so far um (laughs) if we had happened to see the two games where they go like 15 for 16 we'd be getting hyped up to be like oh are they the next villanova they're going to come out and shoot 85 percent from the line all year um I think it's going to be a wash. I think the best way to analyze it is to just look at the personnel that you have who are going to be shooting a lot of free throws. Mm-hmm. Reese Beekman is a good free throw shooter. He's going to get to the line a lot. Dunn, um, probably average to good. I think taking into account his general jump shooting, uh, we might pull him back down, down towards like average-ish. Um, Buchanan, I think he can be better than what he's shown so far. He'll probably even out at a fine percentage, like 65, 70%. It's okay mm-hmm. if he's not knocked down, um, but he's shown the mid-range jumper uh, in yeah. games already, which is a good sign. He's, there's clearly some shooting touch there. He's 
a nice finisher around the rim, even if he did find a way to inexplicably miss like six and one opportunities against Florida. <laughs> um, but like the guys on the team are good. Oh, obviously McNeely, very good free throw shooter, mm-hmm. uh, very good shooter in general. Uh, this is a team of good free throw shooters. Um, I don't think it's like a mental block or anything. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be fine over the course of the season. They probably end up like average, like 150th in the country, which right. is perfectly fine. Absolutely. And sticking with you, Ben, I mean, going into Thursday's game um, against Texas Southern, who, you know, is is likely, uh, I would say, a a couple of clicks better um, than North Carolina A&T. What's something you would say, okay, here's what I'm looking for against an opponent that they definitely should be again at home, uh, you know, during this Thanksgiving time of year, not a ton of energy all the time from the opponent. Uh, What what are you going to be looking for? in what will probably be a blowout. Although they gave Arizona State a pretty decent game. So, you know, no, not trying to diss uh, the Tigers here. You know, I've been very encouraged by specifically the performance against NCA and T where they came out against a team that is not very good and just absolutely put that game away in the first yeah. half. I mean, it was 49 to 19. There was no comeback. Like the announcers were like alluding to like, Oh, the NCA and T playing much better in the second half. They've been winning it so far. Like, no, uh, the game was over <laughs> after 20 minutes. And I think games like that early in the season are best when you can put it away early and have an opportunity to do things like play Jordan minor a lot, uh, get a lot of Leon bond time, let him operate in the mid post experiment with your different offensive sets, uh, try things out that once you get into ACC play and everything gets amplified, um, like, you just don't have the opportunity to do outside yeah. of a practice setting. I would love to see Virginia come out and just get out to a really, really hot start again and put them away before halftime. I think it's really good for the team. Uh, it's healthy for the fans. Um, it's nice to not have to sweat that out. Um, healthy for people writing post-game articles when they don't have to worry about whether the game's going to be a win or a loss and yeah. uh, modify their takeaways accordingly. Um not not anyone on the podcast has ever done that before. Um, but yeah, I think they need to put them away early. I'll also obviously be looking to see if Isaac McNeely plays. I It seemed like his injury wasn't too major, but I have no reporting on that. So who knows? Uh, looked like a twisted ankle. Maybe they hold him out for precautionary reasons, but hopefully he is all good to go. But yeah, come out again, make seven threes in the first half, win by 25. All right. Cool uh zach same same type of question what's something you know you're hoping to see or or just curious to dig deeper into with another couple halves of basketball yeah no it's a good question i think um continuing to see how leon bond is used is going to be interesting for me i think that texas southern has more size than nca and t and tarleton state for that matter um but obviously they're not florida in the front court so how Leon Bond is, if he's kept in the rotation, which I think he should be, I don't think you want to run a seven-man rotation for 30 games in the NCAA tournament, fine, but um, you're going to want a rotation deeper than than seven. Sure. And so how they decide to use Leon, um, whether that's as a four, and, and they're just going to try to get by with him defending in the front court um uh, on the defensive boards whether it's as a three which they did some in this game specifically using their sort of triangle three-man offense which we've talked about extensively on this podcast last year especially um (laughs) and you asked coach about 
Yes, I did. Yeah, I, I I wanted Tony's perspective. I think I've probably asked him that question before, and he probably gave me the same answer. But um, no, it, it was insightful to see them rely on that offense so heavily in this game, especially in the second half with Bond. It resulted in him scoring, I think, what was it, 16 points on like 8 for 10 shooting, which is just absurd, especially considering a lot of those were jump shots. Um and so what that offense lets you do is sort of play positionless basketball on offense in a lot of ways. Um, and so rather than uh, forcing him to be just a screener in, in, in sides and mover blocker, rather than forcing him to sort of just sort of be on the perimeter as a ball handler in sides as an outside shooter, it gets him in areas where he can dominate, especially against teams that don't have players that are, uh objectively bigger and stronger than him so how they can go back to that if they go back to that if they use him because i think if he's on the floor you want him playing what was funny and going back and watching last night's highlights was he really has a lot of and i a lot of Jaden gardner in, in his offensive game despite being uh not quite as i mean he's just he's about the same size a little bit skinnier a little bit lengthier and probably has more potential as an outside perimeter threat than than uh, Jane Gardner does or ever did. But he really is just so smooth around the basket and, and sort of you, it controls his body really well. He's got that high motor. And so I'm curious to see how he continues to perform against competition that is not ACC caliber. And then also when we get into games against um, you know major conference basketball teams, how they use him, if he's used, if they dictate, the scheme according to him being on the floor at times because I think it might be worthwhile not that they're going to switch offenses solely if he's in the game or not but he gives you something else in that sort of triangle offense as as a mid post threat and then you can fit, fit people into that offense as well as you can into sides just he might fit better in there and so you might be able to get something out of that when you do use him on the floor so tracking that tracking their offense um, will be interesting in, in this game on Thursday night I think my bet would probably be that McNeely doesn't play um, mm. for the sake of it being a, a two-day turnaround and preparing for next week's um, games against more legit competition on Monday and Wednesday. Tony Bennett said in the game afterwards that it was not broken. They got, I think, pretty immediate x-rays on it. Um, he did not give more information than that. He just, I think, uh, Ben might have mentioned this, but I think he fell on someone's foot coming down from a rebound or something like that. Um so yeah, his his status and especially if he doesn't play, how they fit the offense uh, accordingly. Like I assume Dante Harris will just start, but how different does that look for a full game? Assuming that they play at least for the uh, full half, depending yeah. on what the score is, um, and sort of how the offense changes as a result with Reese and Dante playing heavy minutes together without that shooting presence. How much does Rody step up? A lot of sort of sort of little uh, intricacies to track there, but. Yeah, overall, I think this team's in a good spot. And um, yeah, looking forward to to the games next week, especially. Yeah, the first game of the Fort Myers tip-off is against Wisconsin, who um, I think, as we mentioned last week, dropped over 100 on their uh, first opponent, Arkansas State, and then lost by 10 uh, to Tennessee, and then lost by more than 10 uh, at Providence. Um, so raising a little bit of an eyebrow, I'd say, as far as how good is Wisconsin uh, against their more significant competition uh ben um wisconsin frauds a little disappointed there's no sponsor for the fort myers tip-off 
I like the the Roman Legends classic. Um, need to bring Bad that Boy back. Motors tip off. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wisconsin not frauds. Um, not frauds. I think Providence is pretty good. Providence did destroy them yesterday. They mm-hmm. like the final score is seventy two to fifty nine. It was not that close. Providence mm-hmm. like absolutely kicked their butt out of like the first 10 minutes and it was never really close after that uh i didn't watch the tennessee game but tennessee is really good um beyond that uh should be fun uh does wisconsin still play slow i know they got 105 points in their first game and they also had 81 possessions okay they're actually 63rd in tempo so this is not the great um turtle matchup it once was uh where it would be like 42 to 40 um was that 2019 yeah. where we played them? Um, yeah, the very fun like one. a ballroom. I think there was yes. a Jack Salt in or Atl- something. The happened. battle for Atlantis, I think. Yeah, there was, was one in the JPJ before that that w- was just the yeah. worst <laughs> basketball win I think I've ever sat through. Uh, those days may be gone, but um, <laughs> Virginia will probably be slight favorites. I think they're well situated to win. Hopefully, McNeely's back by then. Yeah, I mean, once regardless, it's still a test on the road. Well, neutral site, but you know, not in the home confines, and it's a name brand thing. I mean, they've got, and then they they play the winner of another game on Wednesday, which will be a big, you know, big enough name, and then they've got Texas A&M. So it's fun to have these. No matter how bad or good Florida, Wisconsin, A&M end up being on paper, it's like, oh, well, that's a major team. You know, even if they don't have a top twenty-five ranking at the beside their name at some point, so it'll be nice to to, to see what whatever the quadrants end up being for these wins or losses. Uh, it's still, I think, on paper, going to help the Hoos. Hopefully, they end up all being wins, and then of course it'll be helpful here. All right, so stay tuned to streakingalon.com on your web devices and mobiles and tablets for more free throw analysis from Ben Wyland and other post game and pre game coverage of the basketball team. Of course, we hope uh, the who's uh, take it to Duke and Scott stadium Saturday as well. So uh, we'll have uh, coverage for that. And then, then, then we'll be back to talk about that Commonwealth clash coming up uh, Thanksgiving weekend, but till then for everybody at shrinking This is speaking the line and I'm Pierce. Go who's. Oh.